From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for Monday, May 13th, 2019. Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. PGA Championship preview. Number one for the second major of the year. We welcome in Ryan Ballinger. Ryan, how are you? I'm good, Jeremy. How are you? You're going the right direction this week. You're going south. The rest of the golf world is going north, and it's pouring. It's in the 40s. It's nasty. Tiger and Joey made the right call to go out there this morning, even though it was chilly. That They got out there before it started to pour. They got their nine holes of work in. They can go home. Great decision, I thought, um, as, as uh, Joey told Bob Harrig, to come up last week when it was warmer, which is how it'll be more like on the weekend um, than it will be early in the week. Um, this is not the type, this is not Chamber of Commerce conditions that the PGA is walking into here. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> and that was the danger of moving to May, right? I mean, yeah. all these venues so far in advance, but they're basically into the 2030s at this point for the PGA Championship, plus or minus a few years in the, in the 2020s, 2025, 2026. But we kind of know what's going to be in those years. Uh, Southern Hills, Aronimink. So, but you know that you know, the future years are basically going to be um, – at least for the next two, pretty cold in May. This one's going to be cold. It's going to be in the 60s throughout the week. Uh, San Francisco next year at TPC Harding Park. That's pretty much always the same temperature. It's going to be 60 degrees every day. Yes. And then you can kind of map it out in the subsequent years where you're going to be at Trump National. Uh, that's New Jersey. So that's going to be basically this weather, uh, potentially. So I, I think the PGA kind of did themselves a little bit of a disservice by going to May with so much in advance already planned. They're kind of rolling the dice every time uh, for at least the next four or five years that they get some okay weather. Get us to Frisco permanently, they'll be saying. Um, from what I've seen, and and you may have seen more of this today um, than I have, but the rough looks juicy, um, and uh, the golf course is obviously going to play super long, um, it's wet. It's been wet, folks, here for weeks on end. Um, it's rained almost every weekend for the last month. A lot of people around here just have not played a lot of golf, and those who have have been using off days to do it during the week because it seems to be sunnier during the week. I asked Bob what, what his observations were uh, walking the nine holes. Looks to be playing very long, rough, no less difficult, but don't think it'll play as tough as the U.S. Open. What's your thoughts from what you've seen? I think with the wet conditions, it's going to play longer in the scorecard yardage, obviously. You're not going to get much rollout. That certainly favors a longer hitter. But just as it makes it longer from tee to green, from side to side, it gets wider. Yeah. So the 24 to 28-yard wide fairways that the, the PGA of America put together are going to play more like 30 to 34 because the ball's not going to roll left to right like you would expect. So that's good news for a longer hitter that isn't quite as accurate. I think this is still going to favor a longer hitter, by and large. Uh, you're still going to get a medium-range hitter that's probably going to do pretty well. You know, 290 is not going to kill you around here. You're just going to have longer clubs into all of the greens. But the prescription is pretty much the same regardless of the conditions. Hit it long, hit it straight, hit a lot of greens, and you're probably going to do pretty okay. You're going to give yourself chances. And if you take advantage of the couple par fives, you don't blow it on the long par fours, uh, you know, don't bring in sixes and sevens, uh, you're going to be okay. It's interesting, Ryan, um, that 
you know, one of the things that I've uh, 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 someone asked me for some gambling tips, and our spot's never been a betting uh, spot, but but someone asked me for their thoughts. I said I need to see what this what what the setup is and where this falls between Kerry Haig and Mike Davis. And we know the Mike Davis USGA ethos. The PGA likes birdies. They like fun. They like a lot of excitement. And it would seem to me that the easiest way with these conditions to do that would be to actually move up some of these tees. That, that to me, would make it more of an even playing field. What's your thoughts on what Kerry Haig is going to do this week? Because they have a lot of options, and they can play this golf course super tough if they want. See, see Quail Hollow Saturday in 2017. Or they can make it where you can make a lot of birdies because it'll play shorter, see Quail Hollow Sunday in 2017. I think it's going to be a lot like Quail Hollow in 2017. I think you're going to have to, you kind of have to keep it pretty close to the same on Thursday and Friday, or at least as close as you can. So Thursday, there's supposed to be a 50% chance of rain. Making it rainier is probably not going to be very good. It's just going to make it longer and nastier to get through the round. So if you know it's not going to be terrible on Friday, then maybe you decide, all right, we're going to make things just a little bit tougher on Friday against Thursday to try and level it out for which side of the draw you're coming on. Because remember, the 09 U.S. Open was marred by draw. I mean, Tiger finished T6. He won the bad side of the draw, yeah. and that was as close as he got. No one else was even within earshot of finishing in the top five. Uh, from that side of the draw. So I, I don't think they want to have that problem. I think they're going to do everything they can to avoid that. And then once you get into Saturday and Sunday, I think they're going to try and replicate what happened last year. I mean, the scoring was incredible on the weekend at Bell Reef last year. I mean, Tiger shot 130 on the weekend. And people ate that up. So I think they're going to try and recreate something similar. You know, Saturday will be a little bit more difficult try and narrow the field out a little bit and then let them go hog wild on Sunday and see what they could do. Um, so I, I have a feeling they're going to, they're going to, I mean, they're going to keep it there. They're not going to be the USGA, either of the Tom Meeks era or the Mike Davis era. They are going to try to make this a tournament where frankly, eight, nine, 10 under can win. And if someone just crushes it and Tia Green doesn't miss a fairway and give themselves a ton of chances, they could shoot 12 or 14 under and maybe win in a bit of a runaway or kind of a one-two showdown. You know, what's interesting, Ryan, we're talking to Ryan Ballinger here on Teeing It Up, is Beth Page has this mantra of being hard and difficult and, you know, the the people's country club and we want to see you hack it out of the rough the same way. And, I, hey, I, I was there in 02 in the final round on Sunday. I walked through that mud and that, you know, wet, long golf course and those thick roughs. That's not what the PGA does. The PGA is about fun and about growing the game and about having an excitable tournament. And I, I, I bring this up for this reason. I think that if this was um, a different organization, this is the prime kind of week for a horrendously set up golf course where they just let the rough grow too high because it's wet and cold, where they you know, try to make the greens fast and they kill them, you know, to make up for it. You can't do that. It's a public golf course. This has to be handed back to the people, you know, uh, next Tuesday. And I think as a result of that, 
I think we could see a lot of birdies and there could be some backlash, but I really think that this plays right into the hands of the guys who have really worked on 125 and in. And, you know, everybody knows about DJ and Trackman and that's become the new Justin Thomas is Speed's best friend. But I really think that guys like him and Kepka and Rory, who have tried to improve their games from 125 and in, could feast this week because if the rough is thick and you have to chip out, you're going to be feasting on that. But if not, that length, especially if they have to shorten it because of weather, you know, suddenly becomes... Huge, and we saw what what Brooks Kepka did this past weekend at the Nelson in wet conditions, still hitting it as far as he did, and and giving himself as many scoring opportunities as he gave himself. And if he didn't hit a couple wayward shots on Saturday, Sunday, he he may well have won that tournament. Um, his his cut just didn't cut a couple times when he when he needed it to. I think this really plays into those guys' hands. I think so. I, again, because it's going to be a little bit wider from side to side, I don't, I don't think there's quite as much fear as a longer hitter trying to take on certain things on the golf course. You can be a little bit more aggressive. Uh, even down to the finishing hole, 18 has kind of been changed since the 09 U.S. Open yeah. and even since the, the PGA Tour events there, the Barclays in 12 and 16. And now it's trying to set up to entice the player to hit driver to try to entice the player to be aggressive yep. as opposed to just doing the Lucas Glover and hit six iron, six iron to win the U.S. Open on Monday finish. So I, I think that they're going to try to entice these guys to take up the big stick even when they don't have to. And if they pay it off, they're going to get a huge advantage. Um, now that means, like you said, you're going to hit 125 and in, you're going to hit 150 and in. I mean, realistically... 150 and in is a wedge for the, the most powerful players in the game. So all they got to do is get it to that number, and they've got a, a comfortable wedge in hand. And I think that gives them a huge edge this week. Uh, you're, if you're still coming into greens because it's long and wet with 6-iron, 7-iron, I mean, that's a big difference to a wedge. So I, I think it will, it will amplify that edge more than anything else. And yeah, like I said, you will probably still get a medium-length hitter who is just having an incredible ball-striking week. And maybe, I I think, like a Patrick Cantlay could be that guy. Patrick Reed seems to like this course, too. Someone in that kind of vein. But I think, by and large, this is going to be a tournament dominated unless the draw just gets wacky uh, by guys who are long hitters. Yeah, and the weather could well get wacky. What's your take on Tiger? He hasn't played, um, you know, since the Masters win, which I thought after seeing the golf TV interview and just seeing how exhausted he still looked, um, I thought it was the right move. I thought that it was the right move to go up there last week. I was really happy to see that. Um, I was concerned about him not playing anywhere or doing anything, um, and Joe LaCava and Tiger told Bob Harrig today that he had, had not really played a serious round of golf until April 27th, um, which was um, two Saturdays ago. So it's only really been a week, uh, what was that, 15 days or so that he's been grinding at this. So 15 days after taking a bunch of time off, after one of the most emotional, amazing wins in golf history. 
Um, but he went up there and saw it and scouted it and got a gauge for where he needed to be. Joey said that he looked good, which was the, the, the thing that he always worries about with Tiger on layoffs, was how does he look physically, and he, and he looked good last week and this week, and, and then this morning. Um, what's your thoughts on Tiger? I think you can be concerned about three things if you're a Tiger fan. He hasn't played. Uh, that's one thing. Uh, you know, He chose not to play Wells Fargo just because he wasn't prepared after celebrating the Masters win. That's fine. There's no problem with that. But he hasn't played competitive golf. Uh, but the converse is he's won 81 official PJ Tour events and 15 majors, so the guy should be able to regulate himself uh, with or without competitive action in the last month. I think the second one is the weather, because this isn't Augusta National, and you could tell that by the time he got to Sunday, he was dead tired and exhausted and achy from playing Augusta National. And now he doesn't have the benefit of even anything remotely near nice weather to keep his back happy. So I'm curious how he'll yeah. manage around all of that. And then I guess it's just a matter of expectations to some extent. I mean, it went from, gee, wouldn't it be cool if he won the Masters to, all right, Tiger won the Masters. He's the Masters champion. And the OWGR be damned. He is the number one golfer in the world. So the expectations changed pretty dramatically and very quickly. Um, and I'm sure they changed for him somewhat. I mean, I, I'm sure he believed before the Masters that he could win a major again somewhere in there. But now that he's actually done it, I, I think it's a different thing entirely. I, I still think he's looked very good in what I've seen of him so far. Looks pretty happy and healthy. I mean, he's, he seems to be timing things right, like getting out earlier today versus getting out in the deluge uh, that, that has since come. So I, I think he's trying to do... Take it easy enough to get into it, but uh, and, and not overstress himself, not get too prepared. Uh, because again, he has won on this golf course in the past, and he's seen it a number of times before. So it's not like it's all foreign to him, and he's probably got to feel pretty good about it, given the formula that he won with in 2002 is hitting fairways a reasonable length and hitting a lot of greens. Well, guess what he did at the Masters? A lot of that. Yeah. So. If you can pretty much play the same way on a slightly tighter-looking golf course, it was pretty good to me that he's got a decent chance to win this thing. I completely agree. All right, um, as you look at this, as you take a step back, we've had a, a, a run here um, on on the PGA Tour. Some interesting winners. Um, obviously, Sun Kang is a name that um, a lot of diehard golf fans have seen pop up on leaderboards. He breaks through after 159 starts. Max Homa, which is a, a great story if you either follow um, um, uh, college golf, amateur golf, or just follow golf on social media, um, that may be one of the more popular wins I've seen in a long time, uh, just among the Twitter brethren, which is a gauge for something. Um, C.T. Pan winning at Harbortown was basically another... Um, Another evolution of a series of guys. He he thrived at Washington. Of uh, these young college guys who come off the web.com tour ready to play and ready to win, and they eventually get their um, you know feet under them and they go forward. But the one that interests me the most um, is what happened in New Orleans because Ryan Palmer had not won in what nine years I think it was, and. John Rahm helped him get over the finish line. It's a huge win for Rahm. Uh, he, 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 he continues having wins in consecutive seasons. He had not gotten off to the greatest of starts this year. He's off now to a good start. 
Um, and Ryan Palmer is a guy who you and I both know, if he's striping it well, and, and he's known for being a great ball striker, if he can make the, if his ball striking is, is on point and he makes just a couple putts, he's going to show up on a leaderboard in an event like this because he won't hit it in that thick rough. Yeah, I, I think that it, it. Yeah, the run of winners in the PGA Tour has been intriguing, although it has been very inside baseball. Yeah, um, I can't. I mean, CC Pan doesn't move the needle. Neither does no. Sung Kang, and frankly, neither does Ryan Palmer or Max Homa for for most people. But they were cool wins for different reasons. Uh, you know, in the case of Pan and Kang, guys who, to lesser degrees, I mean, different degrees than each other. I mean, Kang will put in what 156 starts on the PGA Tour to get to his first win, and Pan's done a little bit differently, but you know, basically he's been playing 30 events a year since he's been on the PGA Tour just to try and nail one of these things down and keep some status. So I think that's been an interesting development. Ryan Palmer, I mean, he's my favorite story probably this year. I, I, the Max Homo is very, very good. I mean, it's really, really good. You know, non-Tiger division. Yes. But I think Ryan Palmer's really strikes at home for me, because of what he's gone through personally, uh, dealing with cancer, with his wife, um, not getting your car back after going through all that, probably wondering at his age, you know, in his 40s, am I closer to done or what? And uh, he's not. I think that's really cool. And he's um, so well-liked, too. Yeah, and I, it was kind of cool that he took the initiative in this event the last two years and realized, hey, I can pair up with Jordan Spieth and John Rahm, if I just ask them. Yeah. And, and if I do it first, they'll say yes. And they did. And I think that's really cool that it worked out that way. I, I just think that's fascinating. Um, Max is really interesting in that I, I think he's probably been so in the depth, as, as he's talked about with other people, with what he is and how talented he is and what he can do as a professional. And now he has some sense of validation you can do this. You are not crazy. Uh, your commitment worked out. And so I really hope for him it's a, it's a catapult to big things that can continue this week. Uh, I don't see him as the kind of guy who isn't going to celebrate a win, especially like that one. But I think he realizes the hard work just paid off, so let's keep doing it, and maybe some continued good things will happen in a much bigger setting on a bigger stage. His uh, wedding suddenly got paid for that. Uh, that's what his fiance was most happy about. <laughs> yeah, one point four million dollars to pay for a lot of stuff, even after taxes and all the other things. Yeah, to, yeah, and even after the stuff that goes to your four hundred one k and all that stuff. Yeah, he'll, she'll happily take that money and, and and run. I also would throw out that the Grant McDowell story. It was an opposite field event in the Dominican Republic. It's that similar thing, though. Of do you? Trust yourself. Do you believe in yourself? Do you think you can get back there? Graham McDowell is a major champion. Graham McDowell is a Ryder Cup stalwart. Graham McDowell is a future Ryder Cup captain. Graham McDowell won the 2010 Ryder Cup. Yeah. <laughs> and then his game just fell apart. And he's another one of these guys that, that has climbed the mountain and we get so caught up in Brooks and Tiger and DJ and Kepka and Rory and Phil went, you know, getting back in his, this is going to finally be the time for him at Pebble and all this stuff. And we forget about some of these stories and Paul Casey finally breaking through, um, last year, obviously, but, you know, getting that W this year to, to, to back himself up again. Um, 
at, at, at Valspar after missing uh, Pebble. There's just been a lot of, of good quality wins that have happened in 2019. Is there anything surrounding this PGA Championship specifically before we get the picks that I have left out that intrigues you about this week? I mean, I, I think the depth of field is what intrigues me. So the, really, the, the true thing that intrigues me about the PGA is that it is a very deep field. Yeah. The Masters is frankly the easiest major to win because you have the least legitimate guys to beat. Um, the U.S. Open is a total grind. The British Open is its own unique thing. Um, this, you have, you, even though you don't really have to account for the 20 club professionals at all, it's fine. You still have to beat the top 100 players in the world. And so I, I think in that sense, it is a very difficult major to win. Uh, it, even if the golf course allows for birdies and eagles as opposed to pars and bogeys, it's still really difficult to win. And so I, I think that this going second, moving forward, um, it, it, it kind of plays well into the going after the Masters. I think it helps guys who played well at the Masters because the same approach is going to apply. You need birdies and eagles to win the Masters. You need birdies and eagles to win the PGA Championship. It's not a sudden change. It's not a, a change in philosophy. I mean, the course setup is different, but the philosophy is the same. Birdies and eagles. And get deep, you know, as deep as you can, until th- then you go to the, P- or the U.S. Open after, and you're playing a more defensive brand of golf. Everything kind of changes. So I think moving forward, there's more of a better chance of seeing someone win the first two majors of the year than ever because they're much more similar in what you have to do to win. I, I could not agree more with that. Um, I don't think it'll be Tiger. I, I, I think this mountain for Tiger this week is going to be so hard to climb. So that's why I'm, I'm, I'm not picking him. But um, I, I do think that, that you're right that this does set up interestingly enough. Um, it is... It, it, it does need that similar type of golf, and, and this could lead to a similar type of, of, of champion. Um, you know, somebody who, who, who plays for birdies, plays for eagles, plays aggressively, and is not a, a, a grinder. This is not a Zach Johnson. Um, no offense to Zach Johnson, but this is not a Zach Johnson grind it out kind of you know event. This is going to take somebody, I think, especially if the PGA helps them out with these conditions to, to go low, even this year or, 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 or in future years. Before we uh, 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 go to picks, we're talking, we're talking to Ryan Ballinger here from the Golf News Net. Um, you, my friend, are going to North Carolina this week. Uh, you are going the proper direction, south, um, for a, a, a pretty cool event. So I'll give you open forum to talk about that for a second. Sure, I'm going to go to the second U.S. Senior Women's Open, which is at Pine Needles Resort, which is in Southern Pines, North Carolina, the town over from Pinehurst, all really one same region. Uh, this, of course, has hosted the U.S. Women's Open three different times, and it's pretty cool to be able to ha- have this uh, Peggy Kirk Bell family, now that Peggy Kirk Bell's passed, her family still owns the resort. They've owned it for 50 years, and the USGA came in and said, hey, would you be willing to host the second U.S. Senior Women's Open, they said gladly. So they put some money into a restoration uh, that, that's really come out very well, along with his sister course across the street, Mid Pines. It, it, they're both Ross courses. Kyle Francis has come in and done an incredible job restoring these, place, these two courses. 
I think it's going to shine on TV. Laura Davies is a defending champion, and, and realistically, I mean, you have probably five players who could win who still regularly compete in some fashion between the LPGA and the Legends Tour, which is still kind of formative all these years later. But you get to see some of the all-time greats, Hollis Stacy. You can see Joanne Carner, who's 80 years old and going to try and make the cut. 80 years old and ripping on darts. I, I cannot wait to watch her again. She was so much fun last year. Uh, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I think my intrigue is to see, after year one being kind of the happiest tournament I've ever been to, because it finally happened, how will it change in year two? Will it be a more competitive thing? Will it still be a celebration? What, what kind of culture is this tournament going to take on as it, it grows and moves? So uh, I'm very interested to see it this week. What's interesting, too, um, is that you've got the people that are grateful to be there. You know, Kay Cockrell from, from, from Golf Channel talked multiple times last year about how excited she was. Um, her and uh, Jerry Fultz started playing, um, you know, a, a ton on the road um, um, when covering LPGA events because uh, Jerry was trying to qualify for the U.S., Sorry, the senior open, um, yep. and and there was a gratefulness to be there. Kay, I think made the cut last year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, she contended for a while there. Yeah, actually. she was, and it's this weird thing, and, and and she she talked about it afterwards that like it's this weird thing of like it's a reunion, it's a golf tournament, it's a gratitude moment, and then it's oh wait. It's a USJ event. It's going to be hard. I have to play golf. <laughs> and uh, I do wonder if, if if in year two some of the, not not happy, happy, joy, joy, but if some of these players maybe prepare a little differently, realizing, oh, wait, this is the USGA. This is going to be hard. We've got to play our best golf. Because I believe Laura Davies was like 10,000 under par. And nobody else really was that far under par, if, 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 I, if I remember correctly. Yeah, she slayed on the weekend. I mean, it was kind of close between her and Julie Inkster going into the final round, uh, three strokes, and then it, it just blew up. I mean, Laura Davies was just too darn good. Um, between her, Julie Inkster, and Trish Johnson, I think those are kind of the three favorites, and they're going to be for the foreseeable future, you know, until someone like Annika comes along and decides to play, or, you know, when Kari Webb gets to 50, that kind of thing. Um, but it'll be really interesting to see kind of, again, the, the competitive nature of it. I do think a lot of players who qualify are just happy to get a chance uh, to be able to compete in a USGA championship as a woman over 50. I think that's awesome. I, I think in yeah. and of itself that should be celebrated and pretty cool because it's taken so long to get just that. Um, but it will be interesting to see how the competitive nature of it does change. Because last year, I mean, Chicago Golf Club was a par 73. It wasn't very long. It's not going to be very long at Pine Hill. I think it's 6,100 yards, 6,000 yards, something like that. So it's not like they're playing long golf courses, but there's plenty of room for scoring. Uh, and I think that'll be kind of the intrigue here is uh, can Laura Davies, who I played with for the media day huh. um, at Pine Needle, and she frankly said, I don't really don't care for Pine Needles that much. <laughs> but she's obviously a superior talent to the players in the field, especially those who are much, much older and not nearly as long as she is. Uh, will she kind of overcome a place that she doesn't particularly love to play? Uh, just based on talent alone. I, I think that's, that's something I'm going to think about this week. 
I, I, I don't get not using a T and using turf instead. That, that uh, I'm not sure how, A, that's legal. I mean, not that I'm against it. I just thought that that would have been something that's not allowed. And B, I just can't fathom ever doing it myself. But hey, she's all, all the power to her. She has got that successfully working for her. And, and for those who forgot, she won last year by 10, 16 under. Julie was six under. Uh, uh, Trish Johnson was four under. Danielle, uh, her, her last I'm name, is, thank you, was one under. And those were the only four players under par. So, you know, enough said about how, how, harsh, uh, how hard Chicago Golf Club played, especially on Sunday. All right, back to Beth Page. I need a winner, I need a sleeper, and I need who has no chance. My winner is Brooks Kepka because... Why would you pick against him at this point? Yeah. Tiger, kind of your two guys. Yeah. I think you could throw Dustin Johnson in there. You're feeling frisky, Rory, if he decides to hit wedges pretty well. But I think it's it's a Brooks, Tiger, DJ decision for me. It's Brooks uh, for this championship. I think a sleeper, a couple of guys come to mind. Uh, depends on how deep you want to go. But I'll throw out some names. Kevin Kistner, uh, I think, has had a very, very good year. And I think he could really like this golf course if he kind of gets into it and gets the fans behind him. Uh, I think another guy I really like is Eddie Pepperell, who I think the New York fans will absolutely adore very quickly, yes. especially if he, if he gets into contention. I think he'll feed off of it. He's the he new beef like Johnson. architecture yeah. and, a, and a good challenge. I think he does kind of take pleasure from that. And then the third kind of really deep sleeper is Julian Surrey, who... Basically, took the first 13 weeks of the year off, uh, I think recuperating from some kind of injury, but they didn't really talk about it much, and has since come back to the European Tour, which is kind of where he's been the last few years with some stops on the PJ Tour. Um, and he's played very, very well. And he's in this championship because of his ranking uh, at the end of the year, although it's kind of dipped because he hasn't played as much this year. But he's like 250 to 1, and he's a guy who not that long ago was in the top 64 in the world. So he is a very good player who's starting to kind of get things back on the right track. A uh, guy who I think has no chance, uh, anyone who can't hit it 285. Um, I guess Steve Stricker is going to be my guy with no chance because he just won a senior major today and is going to go play this week at another major that's going to be dramatically different. Um, but as the Ryder Cup captain, he gets to play in this. I, I think he probably has no prayer. Yeah. I totally forgot that that finale was uh, today. Good on Steve Stricker. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see him get a uh, major championship win. He, uh, he's been close so many times, um, and, and, and that's a high-quality win for him. You know, I've been on Ricky Fowler to win these things for a while now. You've heard me say on the show 10,000 times, and I was, I was planning on just going with him again until proven otherwise by somebody. Um, but to be honest with you, after last week and just seeing the way this is setting up, I think it's going to be Brooks. I'm with you. And Jim Nance talks about how we haven't covered him sufficiently in, in the golf media. If he wins this and it becomes four out of eight, um, I think he's going to get a whole lot more accolades than I than he's currently getting, and I think he's getting more attention than Nance might realize. But I, I, Jimmy has a point there, which is I think his second at Augusta has gotten completely overshadowed because of what Tiger did, and and you look at what Brooks has done. He hasn't won since South Korea last year, but 
he just um, he's played so well, and I think if 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 he wins this week, and especially if it's not close, and or Tiger is not involved, um, I think you'll see him get the get get the um, stuff that the the praise that he deserves, and I think this this. Brandle thing is so perfect for him. It's just a chip on a shoulder for a guy who didn't need a chip on the shoulder. Yep, he, he didn't need any reason to try to win this thing. He's got plenty of proof. He's got a third showdown with Tiger in the last three majors to work on, and Brandle just gives him a gift. Uh, I'm very. He, he just seems to find a way to take motivation and turn it into something positive for him. So I. And doesn't the PGA champion show up on the live from set Sunday night? Yeah, that might be kind of interesting. That could be interesting. Yeah, that could be interesting. And my, my sleeper is Justin Harding. Um, yeah. He's played sneaky well, just not getting a lot of accolades. Not a lot of people know about him, but he was up there on that Sunday leaderboard. And is this finally Tommy Fleetwood's time to win a major? He played well at the British Masters, which he hosted last week. Um you know he's he's got some 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 jet lag to get over, but I just like um, the way I, I just think that this is a good place for Tommy Fleetwood. Um, similar to to uh, similar to a U.S. Open, and and we've seen what he can do on tough U.S. Open like golf courses, and if the setup sets up for that, it could be perfect. Um, next time we'll be talking, it'll be time for Pebble. Think about that. This season's flying by. It's May 13th. It's happened very quickly, but uh, we've still got a lot of good golf to go. So Yes. It's the good part. Yes. Um, that's, that's Ryan Ballinger. I'm Jeremy Schilling. Thank you for listening to Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. We will see you next time.